It probably won't surprise you to learn that there are more than about 110 pastors now in Burundi, Africa, who know the Shema. (laughs) This uh, scripture this morning is from Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter, and God says through Moses, beginning in verse 7. If there are any poor or needy living among you in the land, in the town, in the lands where the Lord your God has given you, do not be tight-fisted or hard-hearted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend to them uh, freely. Or uh, do not harbor this wicked thought that the seventh year, the year of debt release, is coming and therefore show ill will toward them and give them nothing. Or they may cry out to God against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Be generous uh, toward them and uh, do so without a grudging heart. And then the Lord, your God, will bless you and be with you in all that you do and in everything that you put your hand to. There will always be poor in the land. So I command you, Be open-handed toward those who are poor and needy in your land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. There is a story in the 26th chapter of Matthew. It's at the very end of Jesus' life in the last week. Jesus is in Bethany. And suddenly a woman comes to Jesus and breaks open a jar of very expensive perfume and puts it all over Jesus. This was quite a sacrifice. More than likely, she's carrying that perfume. It's sort of her own uh, rainy day fund. It's her 401k. It's all that she has. And at the right moment, she can sell it and live for days or months or even years on it. But she chooses To break it open and anoint Jesus' body with it. And the disciples are frustrated and they said, what's this woman doing? We could have taken that perfume, sold it, and given the money to the poor. And then Jesus responds, well, what this woman has done will be remembered. And her name will be remembered wherever the story is told. The poor you'll have with you always, but you will not always have me. As I think about that story, I come before you this morning, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm a little embarrassed because I always thought when Jesus said, the poor will always be among you, or you'll always have the poor among you, that Jesus sort of made that up. That that was just a social commentary or observation that Jesus made. And I'm embarrassed to tell you what I found out is Jesus is just quoting the Bible to these people. He's quoting Deuteronomy 15.11, the poor will always be in the land. But I'm even more embarrassed. Because when Jesus said that, I really didn't hear what he was saying. What I heard were two things. One is that, well, poverty is just part of God's world. That's just a part of God's plan. There'll always be poor people. You just can't do much about it. There'll always be poverty. And I also heard Jesus say that, therefore, there's not much urgency in dealing with the poor. If you help the poor, there's always more right behind them. I have to come and rectify that before you this morning. I could not have been more wrong. Now, part of the point of what Jesus is saying surely is that the greatest urgency in the world is to deal with Jesus and to be with Jesus and to be a part of Jesus' kingdom. But I also have to tell you that Jesus is abundantly clear in the New Testament that to deal with Jesus and be with Jesus is to take care of the poor. 
Matthew 25, he tells a parable, remember, and he says, I tell you that as much as you have done it to the least of these, you have done it to me. So what I wanted to do this morning is just fix what I have uh, believed that was wrong and help you to where you won't have that same sort of misconception about what Jesus is saying. So let's look at it this morning for a minute. When Jesus said there'll always be poor in the land, he's not saying that poverty is somehow part of God's great and perfect plan. That God created in the first week the moon, the star, the sun, the plants, the animals, human being, and poverty, and said it's good. God didn't do that. And in fact, it was hard enough to memorize the few verses that I memorized this morning. So one verse I didn't get to was actually in verse 4, three verses before I started this morning. And this is what God said through Moses. There should be no poverty in the land if you obey fully the Lord your God. Do you hear what Moses is saying? Moses is saying if you'll be who God calls you to be and you'll do what God calls you to do, there won't be any poverty. And so the fact of the matter is, Because there's poverty, it indicates we're not doing what God is calling us to do. The fact that there's poverty in our nation, in our community, in our world, is evidence, quite frankly, in the Bible of sin. How interesting, because I tend to place the sin on the person who's poor. That they must have made bad decisions, or they're lazy, or shiftless. That's not what the scripture says at all. It says if they're poor people... It's an indictment of us that we are not living the way God has called us to live. As many of you know, I just came from a couple weeks in one of the poorest nations in the world, Burundi. And what I have to tell you about that is uh, that this concept of the poverty is a result of sin makes a lot of sense to me. Because for decades, the the colonizers of this little African country um, pillaged and, and took advantage of the people who lived there. And it led to their poverty. And then when they gained their independence for a short period of time, they started to turn on each other. And just as in neighboring Rwanda, Hutus killed Tutsis and Tutsis killed Hutus. And for 15 years, bloodshed. And the result, poverty. But the cause, sin. The Bible's clear. Poverty is not a part of God's plan. It creeps in because God's people aren't doing the things God has called them to do. Second thing I want to correct is this, the sense that when Jesus says the poor will always be with you, that he means there's no sense of urgency. That you don't really need to worry about it because, you know, take care of one person, there's poor, there's three behind them, it's just going to keep going, so why bother? Nothing could be further from the biblical truth. Moses, in the book of Exodus, spends four chapters Chapters 20 through 23 on dealing with those who are vulnerable, weak and tired and poor, widows and orphans, those in need. Leviticus, even in discussing the major feast that God's people are to celebrate, uh, breaks out of it in chapter 23 to talk about helping the poor. And then chapter 25 uh, devotes a whole chapter to it. Deuteronomy, Moses, the topic that he visits this morning, he will visit again. The prophets, led by Amos, Condemn the people for their insensitivity to the poor. And then there's Jesus. And then there's Jesus who said, Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Jesus' own beloved disciple John writes in the letter of John, chapter 3, verse 17, 1 John 3, 17, these words. 
If any of you has material possessions and do not give to the poor among you, how can you say the love of God is in your heart? The disciple that Jesus loved, the one he probably spent the most time with, basically says what we do with the poor is a litmus test of our faith in God. There is a great urgency to care for the poor in our midst be concerned and to help the poor who are in our world. Now, you may have caught, if I recited the scripture properly, which sometimes I I do mess up, uh, God says through Moses, you must lend freely to those who are in need. And so you may pick up on it. Well, he's just talking about loans. Well, in, in the scripture that I gave you this morning, the first time he says lend, the second time he says give, And then in between, he says, it would be wicked of you to say, now the seventh year is coming soon. Because every seven years in Israel, all debts are forgiven. No matter what somebody owed you, the balance gets reset to zero. So if I come to you, if the seventh year starts January 1st, 2012, and I come to you October 1st of this year and ask you for $1,000, and you give it to me, I assure you that's not a loan. Because you're not getting it back. It's a gift. Time will run out. God is talking about giving. And I think sometimes if you're like me, you might ask the question, well, what about the person who's asking for this? What about if they have made bad choices? What about if they're not trustworthy? Moses doesn't address that here. Those are not really questions we're allowed to ask. The focus is not on why people are poor. Because Moses assumes that's sin somewhere along the line. The focus is on what are we who are not poor? going to do for those and with those who are poor. I was emailed this week a story from the great Albert Schweitzer, a wonderful physician, missionary, theologian. He is in Africa and a man shows up uh, wounded and in need of emergency surgery. And uh, Schweitzer begins to tend to him. The people say, Dr. Schweitzer, we recognize this guy. He was here a few months ago, and we treated him, and we gave him medicine. And then he stole more medicine from us, went to a neighboring village, and sold the medicine that he stole from us to them. You can't help this guy. And according to Schweitzer's um, records, the response he made was something like this. Well, what would Jesus say, said Schweitzer? Would he not say... Get this man to emergency surgery right away. Jesus wouldn't ask the question, how did he get this way when the man was in front of him, but rather move to meet his need. So it is that God calls us through Moses to live our lives in what he calls open-handed rather than tight-fisted. Tim Keller, who's written a number of really good books recently, he's a pastor in New York City, uh, is releasing a new book. And so they interviewed him about this book called Generous Justice. And I picked out a couple quotes because I thought they were, so, uh, they were so profound. This pastor in New York City said, first of all, he said, There is biblical basis to give to the poor all that we can give them. And then he goes on to say further in the interview, If my church is not involved in helping the poor of New York City, that is is evil. He's clear. God calls us to live with open hands. So it makes me ask the question, why am I so tight-fisted sometimes in response to the need around me? And I think, uh, thinking about some things Keller said, I realized that for me, a couple things are these. First of all, 
I really think deep down I have a sense of prejudice against people who are poor. Because they often don't look like me. And I don't mean because some of them are Africa and and I'm American. It's more like even the poor in our midst in America don't often dress like us, don't often make the same lifestyle choices that we make, don't often value sometimes what I value. And there's a sense in which I think they're different. They're other. And I'm wrong again. It reminds me of a proverb that they have in South Africa. It's just, actually, it's a story. The story is about an earthworm who fell in love. He saw the most beautiful earthworm in the world. He was so in love, it took him a long time to, to make his move. But finally he did, and he screwed up enough courage that he went to that earthworm and he said, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, you are the most beautiful earthworm I have ever seen. And the earthworm responded to him, don't be stupid, I'm your other end. If I somehow think the poor are different from me, I'm stupid. Because we're all connected. We're all part of God's family. We're all part of God's order. And any distinctions that are between us are pretty minor. And so I have to admit, sometimes just prejudice gets in the way. Sometimes I think security gets in the way. Sometimes I think I'm tight-fisted because I don't have an accurate sense of God's economy. And I think somehow that if it open my hand and it goes from me to you or to someone in need, that means that there is therefore less for me. That's not what Moses said. Moses said, be generous and don't give with a grudging heart because the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do and in everything you put your hand to. What's Moses saying? He's saying if you open up your tight fist enough to give, Maybe while your hands are open, then God can give back to you. But if I'm like this, I can't receive what God wants to give to me. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, materially, all sorts of ways. If I'm like this, I am not going to receive. God's economy works like this. We give and we, in the giving, receive. We had a really amazing trip to Burundi, and there'll be time to tell you about it. But let me tell you about last year's trip. Last year on the trip to Burundi, I was pretty much, I had no TV. Uh, most of the time I didn't have phone reception and very lim- limited access to the computer. So I'll be honest, huge earthquake hit Haiti. I had no idea. First inkling I got that something was wrong was in a meeting with the pastoral supervisors. They were getting ready to leave to go back to their regional territories. And the last thing that the bishop said to them uh, was this. He said, when you get back to your regions, make sure all of your churches this Sunday take up an offering for Haiti. Well, okay, we did the same thing here. Here's what you need to know. Experts disagree just on how poor Burundi, Africa is. Some say it's one of the five poorest countries in the world. But others disagree and say it is the poorest country in the world. It is, according to many experts, the only country in the world poorer than Haiti. And what did they do on that Sunday as we were getting ready to head home? They opened their fist. And they gave. 
the largest offering that any of the 105 churches that we are affiliated with collects is $25 U.S. total. That's the largest of any of the churches on an offering that, will, that they'll take in their basket. Out of what little they had, they gave to people who, according to many experts, have just a little bit more than they do. They open their hands. But if I'm reading Moses and Jesus correctly, I'm assuming that as they open their hands to give, God was preparing for them to receive as well.